psychotic geeks obsessed with every little detail. It'll never get on the air. Well, I think it's good for a show to go off the air before it becomes stale and repetitive. I've just been informed that we are going off the air. Off air with Emily and Catherine. Hi. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> Um, so this is Off Air with Emily and Patra. It is. And we're both freaking exhausted today. We are. I'm going to really try to power through and not be a <laughs> twat, but I have I'm a, so sorry, you guys. It's a very twat-like day. I have a short story today, so it should go fairly quick. Well. Um, <laughs> should. <laughs> it's also episode 25. Oh, my God. Which is insane. Um, you have a story to tell me that I've been waiting all week to hear. It's not even that good now that it's the end of the week. Do you know what I'm saying? Okay. (laughs) What day did I tell you I had a story? Like Tuesday. Tuesday. Okay. (laughs) So (laughs) here's what happened. Monday night, apparently. Okay. So my internet has been like off and on, off Mm -hmm. and on, driving me fucking crazy. I'm sorry. It's going to be a really cussy week too. Because I'm just just so tired. Um, And so I... Had someone out to fix my internet like a week ago, and they had me move my modem. Oh, sorry. Had me move my modem from a very convenient hidden spot in my bedroom to right behind a futon that my daughter sleeps on. Mm -hmm. So every time I fold the futon out, I have to pull it away from the wall just a little bit because now that modem is plugged in there, and Mm -hmm. it's driving me crazy. Anyway, um, the internet went out, so I go back behind the couch, and... I have a little bit of junk in my trunk and I bang something, obviously, like I knock into something and it makes a sound like it's dark. I'm going to bed. That's like, I'm, I'm heading to bed. The lights are out in the living room Uh. and I'm like holding stuff in my, in one arm, like my nighttime stuff, like my charger and my phone and like my water bottle, shit like that. Um, that's my nighttime stuff. Yeah. (laughs) And. I'm like, someone knocked on my window because it was over there. Yeah. Someone knocked on my fucking window. Oh, my God. I'm panicked. I call my friend <clears throat> and I well, actually, I message him. I'm like, hey, can I call you? And they're like, uh, yeah. And they're like, what's wrong? And I was like, OK, I think I think I'm an idiot, but I'm I feel like someone knocked on my window. Uh-huh. I live on the second floor. Yeah. No one knocked on my fucking window. <laughs> and then I was like, OK. Maybe, maybe they could reach it from the stairwell. I took a picture of it. Uh-huh. You cannot. It's like six feet away from the stairwell. <laughs> you cannot. I mean, oh my God. It's terrifying. Um, It was terrifying. It was dark. I had to sit on the phone for like 15 minutes to get calmed yeah. down. Yeah. And even though I had like already talked myself out of knowing no one can reach the window, you're fine. I was too afraid to open the curtains because I was sure there was oh, going to yeah. be a creepy face staring at me, yeah. like soaking wet, even though it wasn't raining. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. Ultimate terror. It was scary. And scary. I haven't watched 2020 once since then. <laughs> I don't blame you at all. <laughs> um, when I was, I had to been like middle school. Um, one of my friends was staying the night and mm-hmm. I think, I don't, I think, I don't remember if my parents were asleep or if they were like, out. Right. But regardless, it was they late weren't at around. night. Yeah, it was late at night and we had just watched a scary movie that we couldn't finish. <laughs> and um, you know those like shoestring potatoes, like yeah. the crunchy ones? Yeah. We ate like an entire jar of those. Love that. Of those. Oh, I but, want some so now. we were like sitting and I think we were just, I think we were watching the movie. Uh-huh. And 
we heard a knock at our slider <gasps> at my slider door. No. And like we live out in the we at the time we lived out in the country. Mm-hmm. And I heard we both heard like a knock on the window. Right. Coming from the slider door. And we both like got real quiet, looked at each other. And thankfully, like, the lights were off. Mm-hmm. But we, like, looked at each other and we were like, what was that? And then it did it again. <gasps> and we booked it up the oh stairs and we were like, we're not we're not doing this. We're staying up here. And I got the courage to look out my upstairs bedroom window that there was, like, there's absolutely no way unless you have, like, a 50-foot ladder to get to my window. Right. So I, like, peeked out my curtain and there was nobody there. But, but. I was like... We were like, no. What was it? So we woke up in the morning and I told my dad, I was like, I'm pretty sure somebody knocked on the window last night. And he's like, what do you mean? And he looked outside and thankfully it had snowed, but there Uh weren't any footprints. He's like, y'all have lost your mind. And he says, I still think somebody knocked on our window. But he says that a piece of our trim had come loose and was like banging, Mm, like flapping in the wind or whatever. And I was like, "Mm mm-mm. Somebody was knocking on that window, <laughs> even though there were no <laughs> footprints. I don't know what it was. Oh, my god! Terrifying. It was like a, a spirit. Yeah. Yeah. It was something. That's how I felt. I was like, so I scary. know, I know, I know I'm being stupid. And I know it was obviously like my butt hit the door, you know, hit the probably hit the futon and like made it like make a little like kind of knocking yeah, like, noise. Bleh. It was just oh, once. Vibrated. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, but I was terrifying. convinced. And it took me a minute. Because I called him and I was like, hey, I, I think, I was like, well, maybe they're standing on the stairs. Yeah. And I, like, was whispering. Like, they could hear me. Yeah. What? Well, Why could they hear me from outside the building? Well, what if they could? <laughs> I'm stupid. No, you're fine. It's from too much murder. It's fine. Too much murder. Um. So I crowdsourced a topic for today's episode before we get started. Mm-hmm. Um, I wanted to do a little baby Q&A because it's our 25th episode. Oh my God. And okay. I'm like, I'm a big landmark time. You do like that. Like I like, you know. Yeah. Anniversaries. Yeah. 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 So the first question is, um, underscore Kurt underscore 81 asked, when can Odd Media Group be on your podcast? <laughs> so like whenever right? will work great. Um, I had to, no, I'm sorry guys, but I had to look you up. Um, so Odd Media Group is actually a company based here in Columbus. Uh-huh. And they specialize in promotion, social media management, and merchandise handling. They also have a podcast called Odd Talk with OMG, which I watched a couple of their YouTube videos, mm-hmm. and they're pretty funny. Okay, so Kurt Settle? I don't know. I didn't look at his name. I think so. Probably. Um, and we went to elementary school together. <sighs> so yeah, you can be here whenever. Yeah. You can tell me all about elementary school Patra. It's the same. So sad. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> um, if you're interested in their podcast, check them out at theoddmediagroup.com. Nice. Um, fit underscore girl underscore Carrie Rocks 91. Dang. Asked two questions. First, how did we meet? And second, what made us start a podcast? <sighs> so <laughs> we met on May 7th, 2018. Oh, my God. At approximately 8 a.m., <laughs> <laughs> um, I started at the radio station we both worked at, and mm-hmm. that's how we met, was through work. It's been almost a year. It has been almost a year. Oh, my like, God. Like, we're literally a month away. Oh, my God. Um, And we started a podcast because, A, I've always wanted to do a podcast, mm-hmm. and I just, nobody ever wants to talk to me for this long. Oh. And <laughs> not at least not recorded. <laughs> and um, we, 
somebody brought up a topic, an idea of, oh, hey, we mm-hmm. should have our on-air personalities do podcasts. Well, Patrick and I are the only ones. Right. <laughs> and we're, I was we're like— We're the only ones with any personality. What's blah, up? Blah, blah. Anyway. Um, so we were like—I was like, hey, do you actually want to do this, even though it's kind of a dumb idea? And she's like, actually, yes. And right? I was like, can we actually talk about murder? And she's like, actually, <laughs> definitely, yes. So, I mean, you told me this, that um, we also listened to a couple of the same murder yeah. podcasts. And she had asked a long time ago on Facebook, shortly after you started mm-hmm. working here, like, does anybody listen to any podcasts or whatever? Yeah, and was I it wanted true podcast crime? recommendations. Yeah, well, I just wanted just, them in general. So I, of course, was like, you should try this true crime podcast. Mm-hmm. It's awesome. And I love it. And so we were like, how about true crime? Yeah. <laughs> I was like, I, because Patrick and I got to do the morning show together. Just for, for a little a month, while. Yeah. Just and we had so much fun and had a <laughs> a good, like. Not, we have a good not, vibe. Yeah. But like, we had a good review, not a good review, but like a good. People like us. Yeah, sure. That works. And I couldn't, you don't think there's a word you're looking yeah, for. Yeah, there's a word I'm it. looking for, but I don't know what it is. Okay. Um, response. Response. A good response. There That's we go. That's what I was looking for. Um, and so we were like, I was like, can, can we do the podcast together? And can we just do it? And she's like, yes, let's do it. Let's so do here it. we are. That's what we're doing. Um, and my favorite question mm-hmm. came from Amelia Jones underscore O2. Oh my God. And she did not. Tell me she sent in a question. (laughs) She said, Why is my mom Patra the coolest mom? (laughs) Um, First off, I want to say, as of yesterday, you are no longer her mother. I am. (laughs) I know. (laughs) So every time Amelia asked, Hey mom, will you do something? Or hey mom, will you hand me that? Emily did it. (laughs) And I didn't even like notice she was talking. So So I've taken over. And I'm going to just edit that question. Why is my mom, Emily, the coolest mom? <laughs> oh, my God. Um, you are a really good mom, though. And it made me so happy to see you with your kids yesterday. Oh. Because I know yesterday was a very stressful day. and It was stressful. They um, made it better. Seeing you love on Ivan was just, like, my favorite thing in the world. <laughs> I, I was just like, oh, I love it. I am, okay, I'm a super handsy mom. It's okay. I am. Like, I'm, like, he's 12 and, like, Five five, and I'm just like sweet little baby. Come to mommy. Let yeah. me pet your hair. Like I just stroke his face and I rub his back. She's like, I, am... I just love you so much. <laughs> I mean, I yeah. When Amelia, so Amelia was in Ireland over spring break, and when she got back, she was like really handsy with me, and she's like, I'm sorry, I I missed you, and I missed it, and I just want to touch you, and I'm like, that's me That's all fine. the time. You can touch me twenty four seven. It's fine. Um, um, I'm so- a handsy person. It's okay. Yeah. It's great. I love it. Okay. <laughs> Is it my turn to go first? I think you go first this time. I think you're correct. Um, I want to go eat after this. Do you want to go eat after this? If you're inviting me, yes. I'm inviting you to go eat. Okay. Okay. Let's oh, no. What? Why is my sound on? Oh, Gross. it's okay. Yes, it is my turn to go first. Dang. Thank you, Emily Instagram log. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> um, okay, so. I'm going to turn my pages over because you know how I look at them. I had zero idea of what I wanted to do today. Mm-hmm. And I have 
zero motivation to do anything today. It was a struggle. So a big shout out to a website called The Lineup for like giving me this entire thing. <laughs> <laughs> noise. <laughs> um, born William Cunningham Dean Tanner in 1872. Uh, he left Ireland for U- the United States in, 19- in 1890 where he worked at a dude ranch in Kansas before moving to New York where he married Ethel May Hamilton in 1901. Oh, my gosh. I'm going to have the Hey Dude theme song stuck in my head <laughs> for, like, a, the entire day. Oh. I'm sorry. Um, they were married for almost seven years before William abruptly disappeared, deserting his wife and young daughter. Ooh. After his disappearance, it was revealed that he had suffered from mental lapses, and some friends thought that he might have wandered away while suffering from amnesia. So he just, like, up and walked away. Okay. Uh, He traveled through Canada and northwestern United States until in 1912 he found himself in Hollywood. He changed his name to William Desmond Taylor and quickly found work as an actor before directing his first film, The Awakening, in 1914. Mm. In the decade that elapsed between his arrival in Hollywood and his murder, he directed dozens of films and also served in the Canadian Expedition. I wish you could see her cute little face trying to figure this word out. Expeditionary. Oh, my God. That was tough. That was a really hard word. I loved it. Um, the Canadian. He served in the Canadian Expeditionary Force near the end of World War I. On the morning of February 2nd, 1922, that's my grandpa's birthday. Not 1922, but yeah. February 2nd. Happy birthday. Um, he Just was 30 kidding. years old, and his body was found in his bungalow in Westlake, Los Angeles, by his valet, Henry PV. I want a bungalow and a valet. I know. Okay. I was thinking, I like was kind of wordsmithing some of these sentences. I was like, mm-hmm. to have my personal valet. Right. Uh, a crowd quickly gathered and someone who identified himself as a doctor stepped forward and declared that Taylor had died of a stomach hemorrhage. Ow. <laughs> oh, what's the matter? Is it your hip or no, no your rib? Yeah. But it was on the other side. And it was like a zinger <sighs> that shot through my shoulder. That's because you have pleurisy. I've diagnosed her, Dr. Jones, MD. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But the police examined his body. They found that Taylor had actually been shot in the back with a small caliber pistol. So this guy, this random guy who claims Um, he's a doctor is like, "Mm, stomach hemorrhage. And they're like, "Mm, actually. If you turn him over. (laughs) If you do, if you like, look, he has a bullet. What year is this? 1922. I thought, I was like, the 20s were wild. Yeah. Then. Come on. Um, the quote-unquote doctor vanished and was never seen again. <laughs> he ran away from embarrassment. Yeah. It was the only, it was only the first of several strange clues and unexplained disappearances that would plague the case. So Taylor's wallet held $78 in cash, which is almost $1,200 today. So like just walking around with $1,200 in your wallet. I mean, um. And he wore a two-carat diamond ring, which discounts the idea that the murderer was a robbery gone bad. Because like, I wonder what why his two-carat diamond ring looked like. I don't know. But I looked like, because I wanted to see, I don't know how like carrots work. And I just wanted to see how average what a two-carat diamond ring is. And it's like anywhere from 3000 to like $15,000. Yeah. It's like, that's today. So it's like, that's crazy. I can't, I'm sorry. I can't get... Photoshop to close on this computer. So I'm going to restart it and I hope it, it shouldn't make any noise. Say, I'm just, just will. telling you. Okay. Okay. Just in case we hear like this big bong bong. Yeah, basically. Cause I don't want to be the old person with all the noises going off over it's here. Okay. <clears throat> um, so they just, they were like, that probably wasn't a robbery. Mm-hmm. Cause this guy, has- cause he's 
money. Didn't take his ring. His ring. Uh, the day before, this this sentence doesn't really make sense to me, but whatever. Okay. The day before, Taylor had shown his accountant a large sum of money, which was nowhere to be found. Okay, so, so they're saying, yeah, that he it could be theft because the money is missing. Yeah. Okay. Um. The ensuing investigation became as much of a matter for the papers as for the police, with many sensational and often inaccurate and downright fabricated newspaper reports coming out surrounding the murder. Uh, Robert Giroux, a renowned book editor, publisher, and author of the 1990 book about the murder called A Deed of Death, has been quoted saying is that, quote, the studios seem to be fearful that if certain aspects of the case were exposed, it would exacerbate their problems, end quote. Mm. Um, a police detective who worked on the case claimed many years later that within the first week of the investigation, they got word they got the word to lay off. Perhaps due to these desires to hush up certain aspects of the crime, much of the physical evidence relating to the murder was lost either right, either right away or over the intervening years. Uh, in spite of these setbacks, the police and the police and press identified more than a dozen possible suspects in the killing. There was even a confession, but no one was ever charged, and the case officially is unsolved to this day. Uh, while most of the suspects were ultimately cleared by the police, many of them present their own strange stories that could have come straight out of a film noir. Ooh, film noir. Obviously, I copied and pasted. <laughs> oh, my God, I love you. Um, You're like, I wouldn't talk like I that. I wouldn't talk about a film noir. I can tell you that much. Old movie. <laughs> <laughs> old movie. Edward Sands had worked with Taylor, had worked as Taylor's valet until about seven months prior to the murder, during which time he had forgot, no, during which time he had forged, <laughs> no. <laughs> not forgot, he had forged Taylor's name on checks. Uh, Sands had even burgled Taylor's bungalow, leaving his footprints on the bed. For some, Sand is con- Sands is considered the most likely suspect, while for others, he's a victim of a larger conspiracy. In the wake of the murder, he was never seen or heard from again. Uh, how many people disappeared just, in the fucking like, 20s? My God! Poofing. <laughs> like, I'm just going to walk out this door and never walk back. And just never be heard from or seen again. My God. Again. Uh, Henry Peavy took over as Taylor's valet after Sands and found Taylor's body. While the police cleared him after intense questioning, the story goes that a reporter for the New York Daily News was convinced that PV was the kill- was the killer, and she thought that she could trap him into a confession. Mm. Believing that he would be afraid of ghosts due to his race, she offered— <gasps> I know. What? Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. Like, isn't everybody afraid of ghosts, regardless <laughs> of your race? Um, 20s. <laughs> right. Thank you. Um, she offered to pay him $10 if he could identify— if he could identify Taylor's grave in Hollywood Park Cemetery. An accomplice had already gone ahead and was waiting at the grave at the gravesite draped in a white sheet. Ah! <laughs> oh my god. When PV approached, the sheeted accomplice claimed to be the ghost of Taylor and said, You murdered me. Confess, PV. This is me. Unfortunately for them, PV was like, mm, yeah, no. Because <laughs> Taylor had a strong British accent, and the ghost was clearly from Chicago. Oh, my God. <laughs> this is amazing. Like, that's the best. That's the best. <laughs> um, another person, Mabel Normand, was a popular comedic actress and was said to have been a lover of Taylor's and is one of the last people to have seen him alive. Uh, most have ruled her out as a suspect. She was, at the time, addicted to cocaine and in an effort to keep to help her Oh, and in an effort to help her kick her dependency, Taylor had recently met with federal prosecutors to assist him 
assist them in charging her suppliers. So he was, like, going after these drug dealers, I guess, to My get his God. girlfriend to quit doing oh, drugs. Oh, Jesus. Some have since theorized, oh my gosh, some have since theorized that Norman's suppliers may have hired a contract killer to take care of Taylor. Same. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Mary Miles Minter was a, tro- was a former child star and protege of Taylor who was allegedly deeply in love with him. Passionate letters from Minter to Taylor were found in his bungalow, and many sources alleged a sexual relationship between the two that had begun when Minter was only 17 and Taylor was 47. Ooh, don't like that. I did the math wrong earlier. Yeah. Because it says that he was 47, but earlier I said he was 30 years old when he was found dead. Yeah, I thought 30. You had to do math? I would never have picked this story. <laughs> that is that—that that is 40s. I didn't have to, but I did. It is some 40 years. So I don't know. Math 40. Hard, okay. It, you know what? Pause. We have, we had such a long day yesterday. Yeah. It was like a... 15-hour day or something. I got home. Like, I literally felt drunk by the time I got home. I was so tired. Yeah. No, me too. And it's not because I had a glass of wine, okay? No. I literally, I I felt drunk. I was so tired when I got home. Yeah, I did too. I feel you. And I, like, waddled to the door. Oh, my gosh. Because my feet and yeah hurt. (laughs) And Christopher, I walked in, and Christopher's like, are you okay? I was like. I'm so tired and I hurt so bad. Oh my gosh, my forearms are on fire. Yeah, yeah. <sighs> anyway, um, according to Minter's own statements, however, Taylor refused to reciprocate Minter's advances and said that he was too old for her. So it sounds to me like she either she he was, was like, <laughs> yeah, no, or she was a little over the top, and he's like, dude, no, yeah, chill. Uh, Charlotte Shelby, Minter's mother, who many contemporary sources characterized as malipi- manipulative and greedy is a favorite suspect among many amateur detectives and true crime writers in the years since the murder. Circumstantial evidence connecting her to the killing is exacerbated by the fact that she owned a rare gun similar to the one that killed Taylor, and after his murder, she threw it in the Louisiana bayou. Okay, it's her. (laughs) My God! Um, Margaret Gibson, an actress who worked with Taylor when he first came to Hollywood, died of a heart attack in 1964, having recently converted to Catholic. Catholicism, she gave a deathbed confession in which she is said to have confessed to having, quote, shot and killed William Desmond Taylor. This didn't become public until 1999 when it was printed in the newsletter Taylorology, devoted to collecting and transcribing newspaper articles and other accounts relating to the murder. Uh, Interesting. (laughs) In spite of these and other suspects, the murder of William Desmond Taylor remains a tale with more mysteries than solutions and has left behind a legacy that has influenced films like Sunset Boulevard and and Hollywood Story. I mean, I'm mystified. You know what I'm more mystified about? What was he doing when he disappeared from his one job and showed up to have a completely different life in a completely different state? Why can't we do that so much today? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I don't know if he, like... Had a mental lapse and just, like, walked away and didn't know mm-hmm. and then just woke up in Hollywood and was like, eh. Or if he was like, I'm tired of this life. I feel like it's the first, the second one. Yeah. Yeah. He was I, like, I don't like you anymore. I don't want a daughter. <gasps> I want to be a Hollywood actor. I mean. So I'm going to take a little detour through Canada and sorry. the northwestern U.S. And then I'm going to land in Hollywood and I'm going to be successful. I mean, that's insane. I don't know. That's so crazy. But it's unsolved. And that's the 20s, man. That's it. I want to be a, I want to be a male like 
in the 20s in Hollywood. Yeah. 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 Just. I agree. Hose on top of hose on top of hose. (laughs) (laughs) And money. Yeah. Because, like, I feel like every male in the 20s in Hollywood was very successful. I know. What the fuck? (sighs) Stupid. (laughs) So stupid. I'm not saying I'm a man hater, but. I hate men, but I'm not a lesbian. Yeah, I get it. I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Okay. Read me your story. I'm going to read you my story. Okay, so mine is, I didn't copy and paste it, so I'm worried it's going to be very jumbled. But I'm very proud of you for not copy and pasting it. Thanks. I mean, I copy and pasted bits, but I wrote a bunch, and that's why it took me forever. And plus, everybody was interrupting me so Mm -hmm. much that I just put my earbuds in with nothing going on. Because I have a monster headache, and I didn't want to listen to anything. So I just had my earbuds in, so people thought I was busy. I understand. Okay. I get that. I've done that plenty of times. (laughs) I bet. I bet. Up here, my God. Mm -hmm. And everybody has a question for you all the time. (laughs) Okay. On July 15th, 2008, Cindy Anthony called police in Orlando, Florida to report that her almost three-year-old granddaughter, Kaylee, was missing. According, I know, this is why I didn't have to write it, because I kind of just know it all. I can see her stupid face and everything. (laughs) (laughs) Not Kaylee's. Um, According to Kaylee's mother, Casey Anthony, she had been missing for 31 days. Casey would tell police that she had left Kaylee in the care of a nanny named Zaneda Fernandez-Gonzalez, but the nanny did not exist. Zanny the nanny. (laughs) Zanny the nanny. Um, She would say that the the Zanny, that the nanny had refused to give Kaylee back. Um, And a 911, in one of the 911 calls, um, Cindy says to the dispatcher, there's something wrong. I found my daughter's car today. It smells like there's been, quote, a dead body in the damn car. You've heard that, right? Ugh. Yeah. Yeah. You've heard that call. During the same telephone call, Casey confirmed to the 911 operator that Kaylee had been missing for over a month. I hate that they're all Cindy, Kaylee, Casey. It's mm-hmm. difficult. I get them all confused. Anyway, um, Cindy and George Anthony, the parents of Casey and grandparents of Kaylee, had received a letter from a tow yard saying that they found daughter Casey's car, a Pontiac Sunfire, that was registered to both the parents. Um, And when George went to pick up the car, both he and the tow yard attendant noted a strong smell coming from the trunk. Both later stated they believed the odor to be, like, something dead. Mm -hmm. Um, You know how you're like, it smells like, yeah. 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 he had the tow yard attendant, George had the tow yard attendant with him when he opened the trunk and it contained a bag of trash, but no human remains. I've never smelled a dead body, but like rotten chicken can smell pretty bad. Yeah. Even just like a dead animal on the side of the road. If it's got maggots, I'm gagging. Yeah. Maggots and gagging. Anyway. Maggie. <clears throat> Maggin. If it's maggot, I'm gagging. Maggot, I'm gagging. Who ordered food? I don't know. Hmm. I'm sad. <laughs> it was Amanda and she got Chinese food and it smelled so good. Damn it. I'm getting Chinese food for dinner tonight. I don't care what Christopher says. Look at you. <laughs> <laughs> yes, girl. Look at you. <laughs> okay. Okay. Um, let me finish sending this. Mm-hmm. Okay. By the way, I just want to say everybody's super excited about like how many people were in that mall yesterday. I know. Holy cow. I'm, I love that. Anyway, okay, where was I? Missing. Dead bodies. Okay. 
On July 16th, 2008, police arrest Casey Anthony for child neglect and for providing false information to investigators and obstructing a criminal investigation. Casey had taken police to fake addresses. Um, she told them lie after lie. They were like, where's this Zaneda Fernandez-Gonzalez? Well, she just made this name up. Mm-hmm. Um, and she takes them to a, an apartment building where she's like, she lives here. And they're like, okay, which apartment? She's like, well, I usually just meet her on the stairs. Okay. You just heard how cool of a mom I am, right? Right? Mm-hmm. I'm not leaving my toddler with you and not knowing, like, where, what room you're taking what her room to. She's what room yeah. Where do you live? Where's she going to be? You know what I mean? Because she apparently had left her daughter, as according to her stories, overnight, let this woman take her, like, for days, nights at a time because she's the nanny. Mm. But you didn't even know where the bitch lived. No. No. Um, so they she <clears throat> takes them to one apartment, and it was empty. And then she's like... Oh, well, I thought this was the apartment that she always took her into. I always met her on the steps. No, you're a fucking idiot. Um, she takes them. She's Her cell phone is quote-unquote missing, and they want the cell phone to get in, mm-hmm. information off of it um, because Casey can't remember anybody's phone numbers. Mm-hmm. It's in her cell phone, which that happens. Yeah. But she can't find her cell phone. So she takes them to Universal Studios where she says she works. She does not work there. But she, like, kind of bribes her way in basically, and they're like, yeah, you haven't worked here for a minute. Like, what are you doing here, basically? Um, yeah. <clears throat> so, I'm sorry. I, see, I got off topic. I just wasn't even looking at my thing. I was looking right at Emily like, can you fucking believe this bitch? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Oh, um, the detective is Yuri Melik. I don't know if that matters. Extremely patient. Gives her more than one opportunity to tell the truth, but she just continues to mm-hmm. lie. Um, the following day, the sheriff's office takes possession of the car and they find evidence of possible human decomposition. The car is sent to forensics. Casey Anthony is officially charged with child neglect. I already said that, right? Yeah. Um, she's ordered to be held without bond, although her parents believe Casey's story. So when her mom first calls, she's like pissed. She's like, this is our car. She took you know, my granddaughter, and I haven't seen her in a month. And obviously the granddaughters or the grandparents are, like, more invested in this granddaughter than the mom is. Mm -hmm. You know, they care about her. They want to spend time with her. They want to spend important days with her. Yeah. Um, And they just couldn't couldn't reach her and hadn't seen her for a month. And they're like, hey, where's the kid? Like, they clearly cared about the granddaughter and not the daughter so much because the daughter was kind of a twat. Mm -hmm. Um, On July 22nd at... A bond hearing. So she was held without bond, but then she eventually does get to make bail. Detectives reveal that they found strands of hair in the trunk of the white Pontiac Sunfire, and cadaver dogs have smelled human decomposition in the trunk. Bail is set at half a million dollars. Um, and Judge Strickland makes the makes a statement saying that the truth and Casey Anthony are strangers. Mm-hmm. I loved that. That's the like, perfect quote. Basically. Um, <clears throat> I'm going to talk about this more later, but July 23rd, a former boyfriend's roommate claims that Casey stole checks from her. She's interviewed by police, and she tells them that she wants to press charges against Casey. She also tells them that Casey told her that her car smells as though something died in it. Mm-hmm. Like, Jesus, you guys. Um. 
the following month, just a few weeks later on August 11th, 12th, and 13th, which is just to show you like how on top of it, you know, everybody is. Mm -hmm. A meter reader named Roy Cronk called police about a suspicious object he found um, in like a wooded area near the Anthony house. And the first time he calls, he is told by the sheriff's office to call the tip line, which he did. And he did not get a call back. The second time he called, the sheriff's office, like, kind of reluctantly sent a couple of police officers to meet Roy and reported that they had—oh, I'm sorry. Roy said that he he saw what appeared to be a skull near a gray bag, but on that time, the officer that conducted the short search, which it was raining, and Roy claims that the officer was kind of, like, rude and did not, like, gruff about it and didn't really want to do it. Mm -hmm. The officer said he didn't see anything. Um— on December 11th, is that correct? I guess, because that's when the body's found. Kronk again calls the police. They searched the, the area and found the remains of a child in a trash bag. Investigative teams recovered duct tape, which was hanging from Kaylee's hair, mm. and some tissue left on her skull. Over the next four days, more bones are found in the wooded area near the spot where the, where the remains were initially discovered. Um, <clears throat> December 19th, 2008. Medical examiner confirms that the remains were those of Casey Anthony and that her death was ruled a homicide. The cause of death listed as undetermined. Um, it seems like this guy was just like, okay, well, I know I saw something there, so get it together. Yeah. Yeah, like, I'm not giving up on this. Nobody really believes me, but whatever. Um, a little bit later, we'll talk about... Uh, the defense kind of is like, well, maybe this meter reader guy killed the killed Kaylee Anthony, or um, maybe not, right? Like, and uh, anyway, I'm I'm getting ahead of myself. <clears throat> August twenty first, Casey is released after bounty hunter Leonard Padilla and his nephew post a fifty thousand dollar bond. I guess those guys were trying to get some like, you know, like promotion for something that they were doing, a podcast or a TV show or something. Mm. I don't know. August 29th, police rearrest Casey for charges um, about the falsifying checks and stealing money, and her $500,000 bail is revoked, so her new bail is posted as $503,200 because she's got that extra money that she stole, right? I love that. I don't know why. I just do <laughs> Evidence reveals that chloroform was found in the trunk of Casey's Pontiac Sunfire. And on October 14th, Casey Anthony is indicted on seven counts, including first-degree murder. Okay, so here we go to talk about Casey's defense attorney saying that Roy Cronk could have done it. Um, also, Roy's ex-wife appears on a TV show, and she's like, yeah, he probably could have did it, or he had something to do with it. I mean, this poor guy. Oh my gosh! He like, He's like, I'm just trying to do my civic my civic job, right? That I probably actually hate, but I got to pay this woman alimony or something. Yeah, I mean, I just felt so bad for Aww. him. Yeah, I know. Anyway, Jan in January of the following year, so about six weeks after Kaylee's remains were found, um, her grandfather George Anthony is reported missing, and the next day on the 23rd, he's located at a hotel in Daytona Beach. 
Um, he had attempted suicide. He left an eight-page suicide note. Oh, my goodness. But he is just hospitalized. He he turns out to be okay. He doesn't... He's not successful. Yeah. Um, the prosecutors say a few months later that they are going to seek the death penalty in this case, where before they said they were not going to. On June 30th, the defense... Uh, okay, hold on. Okay. So, I'm sorry. There is so many, like, theories about what has happened to Kaylee Anthony. Um, what they're really, the most likely thing, I think, is what, um, I'm so sorry, you guys. I, like, have no brain power today. I am exhausted. That she was... That her mother or someone put chloroform over her mouth and then duct taped her mouth. So um, that's most likely what has happened. What her, what the defense says <clears throat> was that what most likely happened was that she accidentally died in the family pool while mm-hmm. her grandmother Cindy was away and her grandfather George helped dispose of the body. Um, there's a bunch of crap that goes on in the trial. These, this family seems like a decent family that just has a lot of drama. Do you mm-hmm. know how some families are just kind of like messy? They seem very messy. Yeah. Um, on June 30th, the defense calls Crystal Holloway, a volunteer in the search for Kaylee, who said that she had an affair with George Anthony, that he had been to her home and that he had texted her just thinking about you. I need you in my life. She told the defense that George Anthony had told her that Kaylee's death was an accident that snowballed out of control. Under cross-examination by prosecutors, they pointed to her sworn police statement in which she had said that George Anthony believed it was an accident rather than knowing that it was. In her initial report, so she says he thinks it was an accident. Mm -hmm. Um, And then she later goes to say, no, he said it was an accident and it got out of control. No, he was just thinking about that. Mm -hmm. Okay, where were, where was I? So he says it was an accident or thought it was an accident. Anyway, it seems like this affair lady's just kind of got some butthurt business going on. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Okay, so they are like, don't you think he just thinks that? And she says yes. She does admit that um, or that she's asked, did he admit that Kaylee was dead while they're looking for her? And she says that, yes, George admits that he said Kaylee was dead while people were still looking for her. Mm-hmm. Um, in earlier testimony, George Anthony denied the affair with Holloway, said he had visited her only because she was ill. He said he sent the text message because he needed everyone who had helped in his life. So, I don't know. He could have had an affair with her. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Anyway, after Holloway's testimony, Judge Perry told jurors that it could be used to impeach George Anthony's credibility and that it was not proof of how Kaylee died and or evidence of Casey Anthony's guilt or innocence. I get that. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. The prosecution, who were seeking the death penalty, alleged Casey just wished to free herself from parental responsibilities. She's, you know, kind of portrayed as a party girl, dancing and having fun, going out and drinking, wearing kind of risque outfits mm-hmm. while her daughter's missing and everyone's looking for her, which whatever, dude. Mm-hmm. I don't know. She kind of went on, like, a, a party spree mm-hmm. in that month that yeah. before she admits that her daughter's missing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A little bit of guilt, maybe? Right? 
So they say she just wants to get rid of the kid and murdered her by using chloroform and applying duct tape. The defense team, led by Jose Baez, countered that the child had drowned and accidentally and that George disposed of the body. Um, the defense contended that Casey lied about this and other issues because of a dysfunctional upbringing, which they said included sexual abuse by her father, George. The defense did not present evidence as to how Kaylee died, nor evidence that Casey was sexually abused as a child, but challenged every piece of the prosecution's evidence, calling it fantasy forensics. Mm -hmm. Casey Anthony did not testify. So basically, the prosecution came with a bunch of forensics, and the defense came with a bunch of drama and gossip. Yeah. So that's how I feel about it. They were like, what science? I know. That's not science. That's in your imagination. Okay. On June 30 and July 31, the prosecution um, presented rebuttal arguments beginning by showing the jury photographs of Kaylee's clothes, George's suicide note. It called um, two representatives of Cindy Anthony's former employer who said, so Cindy claims that she made these kind of, um, I mean, kind of, Horrible searches with what's happened, on, like, on Google. Yeah. Um, she had searched for information about chloroform, and she had searched for, uh, it says, neck plus breaking. Mm. Um, another analyst testified that she did not find evidence that Cindy Anthony had searched certain terms that she had claimed to have searched. So, Cindy says that she she was searching for these terms at home, but her computer at work is like, actually, you were logged in here at work. Mm -hmm. So you weren't at home. You couldn't have been the one searching for those. They're trying to keep her, their daughter out of jail. Like, I feel like it's a little bit of, we lost our granddaughter horribly. E even though our daughter might have been responsible, we don't want to lose them both. Yeah. Um, the case obviously attracted a significant amount of national media attention. It was dubbed the social media trial of the century. You know, I love those trial of the century. Trial of the century. I love it. So this is the social <clears throat> media trial of the century because everybody was talking about it. Mm -hmm. um, she was on shows like Geraldo, Nancy Grace, Top mm -hmm. Mom. Remember that? Yep. You don't. Do you? I yeah. do. Okay. Um, and there was a play called Top Mom. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's funny. <laughs> like based on this. Isn't that oh, insane? Yeah. Lord. Um, Casey's parents, Cindy and George, they appeared on the Today Show. I mean, these people were out everywhere. There was even a book written about them. Um, and they're just, the Anthony family is just very erratic. Their behavior is insane. July 5th, 2011, the jury deliberates for 10 hours and 40 minutes before coming back with a verdict of not guilty of first-degree murder aggravated child abuse, and aggravated manslaughter of a child. She is found guilty of four misdemeanor counts of providing false information to law enforcement. The not guilty verdict was not taken well by the public. No. <laughs> um, it was, I mean, basically, everybody feels like she's she did it. Yeah. I mean, that's just all there is to it. Um, the prosecution relied too heavily on the defendant's quote-unquote poor moral character because they had been unable to show conclusively how the victim had died. The public was basically saying that the jury just didn't get it, that mm -hmm. they didn't understand. 
Um, they didn't go too far out of the district to get this jury, even though it was a super public case. I don't know they, how far out of the district they would have needed to gone to get mm-hmm. a jury that didn't know about what was going on. Um, I don't, I couldn't find anything about, I remember like when it, the story first came about that they had found her like near a suitcase, but I couldn't really find any, it's been 10 years actually. So I couldn't mm-hmm. find too much about the suitcase. Um, I mean, Casey Anthony is now just like out living her life, doing her thing. She's a free woman and no one has been convicted in the death of Kaylee Anthony. That's because everybody knows that she did it. Right? There's no one to look for. Everybody knows she did it. So that's it. I just went with this one because I did not have a lot of prep time and I kind of knew it. Yeah. So. And also we needed to do it. (laughs) We really did. Yeah. Oh, man. Oh, good Lord. Like the pictures of her partying and stuff. I mean, get it together, man. Yeah. Yeah. You think we'll ever get like a deathbed confession? Mm, that would be nice. Maybe it would be soon. <laughs> It'd be like a Michael Peterson thing. Yeah. A deathbed confession from him and a deathbed confession from her. Holy shit. Let's do that. Let's, yeah, let's do it. Let's, let's <laughs> shoot her in the back <laughs> and wait for her to confess. I'm sorry. I'm so tired today, you guys. Women's it's, Expo was very fun. It was a lot of fun, Very actually. busy and very tiring. Very tiring. Yeah. yeah. It's a lot. <laughs> I, I, jo, uh, Joanna made a good point. She's like, next year, I need to wear my stepper. Like, oh, so yeah. So I can see how much. And I was like, yeah, for sure. I was thinking the same thing. I walked that mall. Oh, my God. 72 times yesterday. Yeah. <laughs> my um, body is feeling it. So Emily was a super big help. <laughs> and shout out to Emily for everything she did yesterday. I got you. Yeah. Pretty good. Pretty great. Anytime. Um, yeah, that's it. That was so, our super sleepy episode yeah, this week. Yeah, so sorry. Sorry. We'll do better <laughs> next week. <laughs> um, remember to send your suggestions to us off air with EP everywhere and share with a friend. And and go play our fun. Um, my murderer is. Yeah, so on our Instagram <laughs> and on our Facebook, there's, or no, it's just on our Facebook. I think, so, yeah. There's a. Post that Patrick was like, can we please share this like ASAP? And it's, you just type in my murderer is and then tag the fifth person that pops up. So do that and see who you're going to get murdered by. Right? Oh my gosh. This comes out on April for uh, April Fool's Day. Oh my gosh. If I was clever, I'd have some April Fool's joke, but I don't. So happy mm. April Fool's Day. Do you do April Fool's? No, not really. Me either. I kind of hate it. I'm just not clever enough. Um, I don't like to make people feel bad or like they're a fool. Yeah. And I, I'm a big baby about it. Yeah. I'm ah! 